Hi everyone, welcome to Legends of the Spire, great to have you with us. Uh, as always, I am talking to another former player of Chesterfield FC this week, and I've had a few weeks off, basically just a bit of end of season itis after Wembley uh, and all of that stuff that went off at the end of the season. I uh, hope you're all looking forward to having a good summer break and then recharging for another season uh, where more legends can be made. Um, I'll be looking at doing loads more podcasts over the summer, just got a load of players that I need to hunt down and tie down to for dates. Um, so plenty more from me, hopefully, over the summer months. But this week, I am having a chat with Josh Law. Now, I've had his dad on. Uh, we had Nicky on in a former episode, um, so I thought it'd be good to get Josh on as well. He was uh, a youth player, really, at Chesterfield. Uh, and it's kind of weird, his story, because he was obviously a son of former Chesterfield manager in Nicky, and at that time was kind of kicking about uh, as a kid just under the stands at Saltergate with Ollie Banks who was obviously with us now because Ollie Banks' dad was uh, involved at the club at that time and then he came back to Chesterfield as a youth player as well and then was part of the uh, first team squad in kind of mid-noughties just going into later noughties kind of time. He then had a great long career at Alfreton, had a bit of a spell in the SPL as well and is now a performance development coach at Harrogate. Um, so we had a chat with him uh, about those various different aspects really of being involved with Chesterfield both as a son of a former player and manager, uh, being a player himself for the club and then everything that he's gone on to since in his route into coaching. As always I am at Spy Legends on Twitter and Instagram, Legends of the Spy on Facebook and please do also check out Linda's Sandwich Shop, this is the fanzine that I bring out uh, four times a year Spring 2023 has come out a little while ago with a great cover illustration from Dave Draws. Loads of articles uh, from loads of fans and supporters on myself as well. Um, it's only three quid, free postage, available on Etsy. I'll put the links in the various places uh, in the show notes and things. Uh, so please do uh, buy a copy. Uh, it'd be great to be able to share it with more people. Uh, but as always, I'm at Spy Legends. Find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, find us on Instagram. And uh, here we are with another episode. I hope you enjoy it. It's an interesting chat this week with Josh. Josh Law, here we go. Well, thanks for coming on and having a chat. So are you, I suppose you're end of season now, aren't you? So is it holiday time for you? It is, yes. Um, like I say, you're always ready for it when it comes round. So, yeah, I uh, bet. we finished on Friday, like the last bits and bobs. So, yeah, get a good good little period off now. Yeah. The long seasons, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, so, like I say, day in, day out, it does. It, obviously, you love it. And yeah, yeah. that's the main thing with it. But like like any job, like I say, by the, it comes to a point where you do need a little bit of a break and a bit of a rest because... I say it's quite fun and intense, especially in the youth football, where obviously you constantly got reviews and stuff like that, and um, like the individual learning programs and stuff, which you have to concentrate yeah, yeah. on as well as the uh, as well as the coaching. Yeah, and, and we've noticed it last few weeks at Chesterfield watching the players that you know mm. loads more cramp, exhaustion. Mm. You know, they just seem to be like running through treacle sometimes. I suppose from your memories of your playing career. Do you kind of remember those bits when you get into those last games and it just becomes a oh, bit yeah. of an exhausting slog? Yeah, definitely it hits you. I think especially like say for Chesterfield as well, where they're up there and they're hoping, like I say, to to get through in the playoffs and stuff like that. And it, it obviously a bit of 
I say probably a bit of everything for the lads, really, a bit of anxiety, bit of I say a bit of that end of season fatigue. Um mm. I say it's a mixture of all those things, mental fatigue. And it does, it really does hit you and catch up at different times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. I, su- I suppose your Chesterfield history, you have kind of different periods of it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because obviously famous dad. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh so you all have been around the club. Uh, so when he was manager, you'd have been what, 11, 12, 13, that kind yeah. of age, would it be? Yeah, like it millennium? Been, yeah, probably 11, 12, I think, off the top of my yeah. head. 2000, early 2000s, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I was 11, 12, 89, 90. Yeah, probably 12, probably 12, brother, mm. probably 13. Um, so yeah, doesn't uh, certainly <laughs> flown by, but yeah, really, really good memories of the of the club. Uh, obviously when I was there involved as a scholar and young pro and obviously times where I used to go and watch my dad as well obviously when he was a yeah, player so yeah. they're kind of our first memories of, of football is uh, going up to Saltergate and, and watching him play as well What's it like growing up with your like dad as a footballer? Is it is it odd? Do you, do you... <laughs> I suppose we didn't know any different so yeah. it's kind of like um, it was kind of normal to us. Um, I say he very certainly as a, as a player and uh, very rarely brought stuff home. Like I say when he was at home, he was dad. Um, and obviously, as you get older into the the management side of it, and you start to see him on that side of it, it's a bit of a different person at work than obviously to it to what he is at home. But yeah, like I say, it was a, it was a real normality to us because obviously he played for that long and. I think each one of obviously I'm one of four. I think mm-hmm. he was a footballer in all that time until probably 36, 37, I think he finished. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were, were you kind of having kick arounds under the stand and st- and stuff like that then? <laughs> yeah, we were. Yeah, we were. Good memories again. Um there used to be the old uh, gym next to the home dressing room. I don't know if have you been down that yeah, bit. I'd, I'd yeah, I'd a lot around, yeah. Physio yeah. room, gym, um, home team dressing room and yeah, really fond memories of us in the gym. We used to have the crash mat up against the uh, up against the wall. So me, my brother, and um, my cousin, obviously Ollie Banks, he's my cousin. Yeah. Um, so like we used to be knocking the ball around there two o'clock in the afternoon, firing <laughs> it offside at things, trying to edit onto the crash mat. One of us in goal, and I remember uh, Dave Rushbury, the physio, used to just come in and say, "Right, just calm down a bit, lads." Obviously, only an hour till kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> Like crazy thinking back, but um, yeah, unbelievable memories. Uh, really good, really good. Yeah, Ollie Banks mentioned the crash mat. He came on the podcast just before he resigned. Oh, he was talking about uh, about playing under the stands and stuff like that. I suppose it's yeah. just when you've yeah. got a like a family member that's just you know part of that. It's just work. It's the workplace, isn't it? And you just kind of find a game where you can. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. And yeah, wherever it is as a kid, like I say, you're trying to find uh, find a little pitch anywhere and. And have a bit of fun, but yeah, there was certainly some uh, some good spots around Saltergate, weren't there, for a kickabout? Mm, definitely. Um, but no, really, really fond memories of that. So is it so growing up then, kind of kicking a ball? I suppose you naturally, like a lot of people that have parents that have trades, you end up picking mm. up a trade. Uh, for you being football, um, yeah. is it? Is it? Was it odd? It, it, were you kind of coached in a way? I suppose it's hard not to be coached a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pro but um yeah yeah like I say um obviously it was obviously me and my my older brother Nick obviously we we both went into it my eldest brother um 
he kind of played like grassroots and stuff like that. My youngest brother wasn't interested one bit. Mm. Um, but obviously, when my dad probably seen we were we were half decent or whatever, he'd obviously help us with stuff. But I think a lot of the time as a kid, he just let us play. And I think that's the best way, really, sometimes going to enjoy yeah. yourself and play because it, it, it soon enough gets pretty serious. Um, but I've had, to be fair, as coach, my dad's coached me a lot and my brother younger because uh, obviously when we lived back in Nottingham when, when we were based down there, we ended up going to the Notts County Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, after we played for a grassroots team and he ended up being a coach in Notts County Academy because he was trying to get into that side of it so he ended up taking me and my brother's team so we've we've always had him really as a as a figure point for us mm-hmm. um, so yeah he's like I say in every sense he's, uh, he's been a major part of the journey mm-hmm. um, but yeah I think as a, like I say as a kid you, you love the game and I think probably as you get older you start to realise if you've got half a chance of doing it or not such a hard, I say, such a hard industry mm. to break into. I think every kid just about growing up wants wants to be a footballer, don't they? So, obviously, massively fortunate enough to um, to have a have a spell doing it. Andy Morris suddenly found he had no legs to shoot with, courtesy of Paul Butler's challenge. Nicky Laws, one of Chesterfield's Wembley heroes, came back to haunt Bury with the penalty. Yeah, and and you were them. So then you were kind of a, a in the youth squad, weren't you, at the club? Um, I kind of I've seen you. Yeah, I can kind of go back and look at the lineups thanks to um, right. the history people that put it all together on the website. And it was like two thousand five, six, and I think six, yeah. seven. There's like loads of memorable names that were in those youth teams at the time. There was like Jamie Lowry was in there, Jamie Jackson, Dan Gray obviously played quite a few games. Ben Olgar mm-hmm. had a you know, decent career, and there's like yeah. a a whole bunch of you. It was a time in which you had a. It was a good core group of players, wasn't there? In that, um, yeah, that group. really was. Um, I say Dave and Julesy were um, top people. You know, before coaches, they were really good people, and they did instill good stuff in you. Uh, built relationships with people, and, and like I say, I think that was a major part of having that. Like I say I think Dave had a really good ratio, didn't he, and bringing youth players through and making appearances. Mm. Um, but like I say there, some of the names, yeah, we had some really, really good players and we had a lot of success in the youth team. Um, obviously, I think Jamie Lowry, so unfortunate to have his injury because mm-hmm. I think he'd have gone on even more, to be honest, in his mm-hmm. career. I thought he was a he was a top talent, you know, he had, he had a bit of everything. But um, like I say, it, obviously, everything happens for a reason and stuff like that. Jamie's into his coaching now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we had, some, we had some really good, really good players during that time. And I suppose when you've got one or two that then break into the team and get some appearances, it kind of gives you all a little bit more oomph mm. behind the scenes, doesn't it? To go, oh, well, he can do it, so mm. I can do it. I suppose it's it's one of those things, isn't it? You get one that break through and suddenly a whole bunch of other people can raise the game because they can see the opportunities there, I suppose. Yeah, 100%. Like I say, it's all about seeing that pathway, isn't it, as a youth player, to give you that bit, like you say, their inspiration, hope. And certainly my time there, I think um, Ash Foyle made his debut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lowry was, like I say, in and around that first team squad all the time, made his debut. Jamie Jackson, I think, made quite a few appearances as well. Obviously, a little bit older than us, we had Ad Smith, who was becoming a bit of a regular in the squad. Um, and and like you say there, it was always a club that if you if you earn it, then I like to think they give you a little bit of a chance. And I think they've they've continued that. 
um, which, like I say, is, is massive for youth football in terms of, obviously, your recruitment as well in, in youth. Mm-hmm. If you've got a bit of a pathway and a bit of a history and you're showcasing these players, you've got a good chance of getting um, getting these players in that might get released from a, a Sheffield United or a Derby that you might fall on and, like I say, make a make a bit of a living for them, make a bit of cash off them as a club. Um, I think we had Bowery as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. been a young pro, but I think he played with us in my second year as a 16. I think he got released from Derby or or one of the clubs down that way. And obviously, no better showcase than that. Got him play some games and he's gone and had a half-decent career. Like, Yeah. And and so um, Ash Foyle came on the podcast, was talking about how he ended up um, putting uh, doing the, the shirt printing, the numbers, and how he labelled up. Jamie Lowry's kit and then ended up labeling up his own. Uh yeah. what was what was your what were your jobs when you were uh, Yeah, Dave, I think um Dave got quite sick of me. I weren't great at any of them, I don't think. So he used to rotate me around them. Um, <laughs> I remember doing home dressing room for a for a spell. Um I remember funny enough going home and my mum washed my kit for me and there was all big red stains all over it. I'd got bleach all over me from <laughs> <laughs> bathroom so when I went back in the next day I had to get some new kit which Dave weren't too pleased about um, we had a spell doing the home dressing room bit of the away dressing room again like I say doing everything back then you're scrubbing toilets you're, you're hoovering up someone did the manager's office and obviously that was a bit of a nerve wracking one because yeah, you had yeah. to get that right on um, and obviously you all had designated a couple of pairs of boots from the first team as well which again it, it did instill really good stuff in you because obviously you didn't get them jobs right you were they certainly let you know and rightly so and um it made sure like i say you, you carried you carried good uh habits with you mm. um but now like i say that it's kind of totally gone out of the game now the the jobs and stuff like that um which again like i say it is it probably is a little bit in the past but i do i do think certain aspects of it still missed yeah, uh, in terms of that grounding discipline and kind of earning your way to that first team dressing room. And I heard I heard about Wayne Allison kind of coming in and trying to get a cup of tea every time he was he was walking past and all of you keeping your heads down. <laughs> well, you yeah. were one of the ones keeping your heads down when he poked his head around the door. Absolutely, yeah. I think everyone used to scarper, try to scarper away to the <laughs> toilet. Um, yeah, he used to, because obviously we were basically in the away dressing room um, and Chief had obviously nip his head around the door and Oh, morning, boys. You all right? And I like, kind of have a walk around. And as soon as someone looked at him, oh, great pot of tea down there. So <laughs> you knew what was coming, like clockwork every morning, probably every afternoon after training. Um, but again, like I say, what a, what a top professional he was, Chief. Um, again, great with great with us as a youth team as well. Again, you'd go train with them and he'd be right on you. There'd be no, uh, there'd be no, you all right, et cetera. But it was in the, it was in the right manner. And we had good pros to be fair back then. And yeah, what if you went up and there might be a bit of a poppy if you're not doing it, or really praise you if you're doing well? But they'd always kind of, kind of help you and pull you to the side. And if that had a bit of a poppy, you maybe explain why and what they're looking for and stuff like that. So really fortunate, really at, at that time for the, the people that were around that club. And a question I ask everyone from kind of around this time uh, is is what you had from Linda's sandwich shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... I used to like, um, we weren't really allowed and I got caught a couple of times with Jules who, who weren't too pleased. Uh, state Canadians, of course. All oh, right, yeah, I've heard I the State It's been yeah, a popular one, the State Canadians. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were brilliant. A load of butter and State Canadian. <laughs> but yeah, Dave and Jules, who weren't too keen on us having them. 
the lads would obviously <laughs> have that. And I remember getting caught a couple of times when they'd been and done the old half run, and you could see him knocking on the window at Linda's. <laughs> Tell you what you got again, but um, yeah, it tended to be state Canadian when I could get away with it. Then apart from that, quite boring to be fair. I'd probably just have a bit of chicken and stuffing or something mm-hmm. like that. And um, like I say, again, good memories down there as well. Yeah. Um, funny enough, I didn't get my my debut show. I did in the I forgot what it's called then now, Papa John's or whatever yeah, it's called. Yeah. Because um, Phil was the kit man, obviously Linda's husband, and um, I think when I left the club, I think I had a tab still about six, seven, eight quid or something. <laughs> And uh, I obviously never got round to it, but I never got my shirt back. So a bit gutted, really. <laughs> got a seven, eight quid tab and I've not got me uh, me uh, debut shirt. But no, nah, uh, really good memories of it. With inflation, I wonder what that's worth now. <laughs> God, I don't know, yeah. Probably, probably about a pound, actually. <laughs> I don't think there'd be much, uh, much scope for people getting that. <laughs> so you ended up then being part of the first team squad, like 2007, eight a little bit wasn't it I know yes, you kind was, of yeah. had a, a yeah. loan spell you kind of went to mm-hmm. Alfton didn't you in that season yeah. as well but it was that yeah. season you had your debut like you say it was Hartlepool in what was yeah. the then yeah. LJPT yeah. LDV yeah. I don't know whatever it was back then whichever sponsor it was yeah. uh, so to kind of get on the pitch I suppose it's nice to it's it's what you aim for isn't it to have that debut in a for a professional football club definitely yeah uh, like I say it's a really good moment when you can do it. Um, I was meant to, it's a bit of a story, actually. I was meant to be starting the game uh, the day before when we did the, the shape and what have you. I remember actually Lee Richardson with the manager at the time. Uh, we'd set up, obviously I was playing on the right with Lowry, which was good because obviously we had a good relationship from the youth team and good friends outside of outside the place as well. And um, he rang me that evening and said, obviously, oh, you can't start because there was a certain rule on when you played the, the uh, league, yeah, the number weekend, of... it had to be like five or six yeah. the same people, or you got a big fine. So he said, look, just be ready, get warm, then obviously we'll look to get you on um, pretty early. And I think picks, Phil Picking, um, I think he had a bit of a tight calf anyway, but after about 20 minutes or so, uh, picks come off. So obviously I was on. Um, and yeah, as you have, I remember being quite, obviously nervous for a little bit, first few touches and, um, it kind of flew till half time. It was kind of a bit of a blur. Uh, I remember nearly Alan Neil, who was a really good coach, mm-hmm. um, just come to me half time. So just relax, like I know what you're about, etc. Again, an example of a good person around the place. Um, just don't do anything different to what you do, what we see you do. And um, second half, I did play pretty well. Um, quite unlucky thing, I hit the bar with a free kick and. I won off the line and keeper made another save. And it's a funny thing, football, isn't it? If they go in, yeah, you might yeah. have a chance of even playing the next game. You never know. I've said probably nearly scored three goals in the second half, but <laughs> didn't quite fall. Um, then, like I say, after that, maybe two or three times on the bench and it come to a point where I wanted to go and play. And I was around the squad and always like eighth. Obviously, it was five on the bench at that time. So I was always kind of like 17th man. Um and obviously, we've come to a decision with uh, Lee Richardson. We said, look, let's get you out on loan, which obviously fell well with my old man wanted me down at Alfred and where he'd just gone to. Mm. Yeah, so like going back to that debut, is it is it odd then just having the eyes of a crowd on you? Like mm. what's, what are the things that like stick out in your mind when you're making those first few games as a footballer? Mm. I think like you say there, it's just so different from the youth football because like I say, automatically there's fans there. So when you're warming up, it sounds daft, but there was like music on when you're warming up, and it's it's very much real then, isn't it? When you when you're in that, and 
I think pre-season we had a couple of games where there was quite big crowds. We had like Blavers testimonial mm-hmm. against Forest, which I played in. And like I say, that kind of my first experience of having a proper crowd in there. Um, and it's just that. But I think when obviously it kicks off and you have your first touch, it's kind of, it kind of becomes a game really. You just, mm-hmm. you just go into autopilot and you're, and you're focusing. But obviously there is big differences with crowds. Obviously as you go and get more experiences that can be really good or it can it can be quite tough at times, depending on the situation of how stuff's going individually, collectively. Um, but I'd say, obviously, that major difference is that just that it is real football. You know, you've got fans there and and every every decision counts, really. That's kind of your, your schooling over as a young lad and you're in at the deep end now. It's sink or swim. Yeah. And and the shirts back then, like I've said, if, I've talked to a few players about this, but they were all like, XLs weren't they? They, they, didn't, they didn't really seem to be any variation in size back then. You see poor Alex Bailey like around then in like an XL shirt, and you see the chief yeah. in one as well. It was it was strange back then, weren't it? How how did they fit you? Was it... <laughs> oh yeah, it's just reminding me. Yeah, they were massive, weren't they? Massive and, shirts, yeah. yeah. Remember, there's a picture, obviously uh, a few pictures that you get from when you've played, and yeah, looking back, God, they were big. <laughs> Remember my first one, uh, Blabber's testimonials of pictures, to be fair, and. Like I say, the shorts are baggy. You can't even see my legs and tops are <laughs> three quarters of the way down my wrist. And yeah, like I say, you get what you were given back then. I have, a, I have a Blatherwick match one shirt and I'm six foot five myself and yeah. it's it's huge yeah. on me. Yeah. So I like I, I don't know how they how they did all that size and it was bonkers. I know. I know. One <laughs> size fits all, isn't it? Yeah. Or one size didn't fit anyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. More like that, yeah. <laughs> Berry Town from Suffolk were in the first round for the first time in 40 years, but Alfreton went ahead in only the fourth minute through Martin McIntosh, whose league career spanned 10 years and nine clubs in both England and Scotland. Another defender with a long service record scored Berry's equaliser, 38 year old Gavin Johnson, who started at Ipswich. Berry included the Reed boys' brothers Sam and Lee, and it was Lee who thought he might enjoy the family bragging rights this weekend when he scored 11 minutes before half time. Berry held on for the lead until just beyond the hour mark. Leo Fortune West heading Offerton's equaliser. Fortune West helped Cambridge United to the third round last season. Offerton started to take charge, and after foul on Paul Clayton, 19-year-old Josh Law stepped up to make it 3-2. And Clayton simply couldn't be held back, confirming Offerton's place in the draw when he ran him off in second-half stoppage time. So th- then you ended up at Alfreton. You obviously played tons of games for Alfreton. It, it, it obviously, I suppose, to start off with, it's perfect loan opportunity yeah. for you. Yeah, that's there. Mm. Um, but then it went on for many, many years, didn't it? You were there from what until two thousand and fourteen. So you were there like yeah, what six, yeah. seven years, something six like or that. Seven seasons, yeah, six, seven seasons, something like that. Um, yeah, like I say, initially on on the loan at about the October time of obviously when I was at Chesterfield doing my young pro. Um, and again, my dad, I think he'd only gone there that season. Um, I think that was his first season there, to be honest. And obviously, assembling a side together, and they were struggling a bit actually. I remember they were, mm. they were down like mid table towards the bottom. Um, and obviously, again, going at my first run of games in senior football, and it obviously fell well, couldn't have a better chance at it, obviously, than having my dad there and someone who was going to be mm. fair with me, which kind of took into account why I went there. And like I said, I must have probably got. 
30 odd games that year. Um, I think we got into double figures with goals. It was played pretty well and felt obviously it's different journeys at different times, but I think I've got a bit disillusioned maybe around the February, March time of Chesterfield because of rightly so. I, I was a young lad, I was quite a young pro, I was like an August birthday. So, mm. uh, Lee Richardson at the time is he was new to being manager there, and I probably felt that he probably didn't give me enough of a, a chance or really looked at properly while I was on loan because I was doing pretty well for a, a good level of football, obviously National League North at the time, at such a young age and scoring goals and getting assists and stuff like that. But obviously everyone's journey is different, like I said there, but um, it, it done me the world of good. And when it comes to obviously the end of the season um, and Chesterfield released me, um, obviously I just thought, right, it's probably, it's probably the right move now to go and get Obviously, my dad's always been a good source of advice for me. Mm. He said, well, you need to mend football as many games as you can. Then, obviously, that'll all come again if you if you do the right stuff. So, yeah, that's that kind of started my journey at Alfred. What was Lee Richardson like for you? Because I've spoken to many players. It's fair to say he's probably been a bit Marmite with a lot of players. Some seem to quite like him. Some seem to really not like him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose, like you say, it could be probably for most managers that couldn't depend mm. on your experience with them. Um, again, he was a, he was a good guy. Uh, I think probably as a scholar, he was one who like really spoke to me quite a lot and pushed me. I think he obviously quite had high hopes for me from the conversations we had, and he'd, he'd helped me a lot when he'd watch youth team games and kind of give you a bit of feedback. And so I was quite obviously excited going into that uh, when he was manager. Um, obviously, he was new to the management. I know he'd been assistant manager. Uh, probably and rightly so, concentrating on probably more of the here and now, which again, that, that's kind of the state of play for managers now. Mm. Um, so that's a kind of probably not that I didn't have a relationship with him by by any means. It was still very respectful, and I could talk to him about anything. But um, I think just obviously at my time in that journey, I probably needed that bit of. I was the only one to get a pro out of our second year, so it's kind of like I went up there. But obviously, Larry and Jamie Jackson were still. Still within that setup, which was great, but obviously none of the immediate ones of my age were kind of with me, mm. so it did feel a bit at times like you just chucked on there. It was kind of a bit of that that black hole, like what's what's your pathway now type of thing. But yeah. I remember, he was obviously big into psychology, which he's done obviously really well with now. I believe I don't know if he's still at Liverpool. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. But obviously he was big into that then. I think he'd been fresh, maybe off the course of doing it and his interest in it and. Remember a couple of times, like in his office, you'd, you'd like you have to mark yourself out of ten for like different stuff on the psychological side, playing side. And I remember like something about the mental side he was big into, and obviously I was very young, so I wasn't really. I needed a bit of guidance, and I think he said like, "Oh, what, what about your mental side?" I think I'd give myself like a five or six. And I think he'd give me a one. <laughs> <laughs> Which is all right, okay. Um, yeah, he said like. Just your, your your body language needs to change. I think you need to change how you walk and stuff like that. So it's a bit like, oh, okay, there's a lot to take in. I remember telling some of the lads when I come out and they're a bit like, bloody hell. Like, still have a bit of a laugh now uh, when I do see certain ones. Like, so you changed your walk yet? Like, no, <laughs> no, I haven't. But it was all a bit like that for me that season. Um, then there was a spell around March where I said, right, I'm calling you back because we had an injury crisis and I was going to play against... Um, it was Hereford or somebody away the next day. And so anyway, I'm waiting. Then Friday night, obviously nothing. Then didn't even get a text or call. Then it turned out, I can't remember who contacted me. I said, oh, no, it's not happening. 
just stay out on loan. So it was a bit like, it, it kind of led that way for me and his communication wasn't great with me. And obviously others who have probably spoke about it since, but he was new to management and yeah. it's so different, I believe, when you go from assistant to manager, your, your name's on it, you know, and I certainly never deeply criticise one because I've seen, obviously, seen it first time with me old man and stuff and, mm. and the stress it can it can do to you. So quite empathetic with it, but like I say it just weren't the right the right time for me there, which is a shame because I, I love my time there. Mm. And 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 going it to Alfreton and then obviously playing there, um, I, I suppose it'd be hard to like being the son of the manager. Was, was he sometimes harder on you maybe than <laughs> than he was on others? <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine I think he struck a lot fear into most people, but <laughs> yeah, I knew. Um, Certainly knew when I was playing on his side if I was at fullback or right midfield, that's for sure. Uh, heard my <laughs> name quite a lot. Um, which, like I say, probably uh, for him, again, a bit of a different experience for him. So he probably felt like, I don't know, maybe had to be a little bit harsher with me at times. But also at the same time, he's, I'm his lad and he wanted the best for me probably. So, mm. again, it was his way. Like many many have told you who've played under, under him and been associated with him, he's, he's very high demand, but... It's so it's always you looking back, you know. It's it's quite he's quite fair with it as well. And if you weren't doing what he wanted you to do or what he felt would get you better, um, you certainly knew about it. So yeah, I had some <laughs> some uh, strange experiences for that probably that first season, two seasons because it was new to me as well. Obviously playing at senior level under him, um, and I lived at home at the time. I think for probably first year I was at Alfreton, so. Few frosty uh, Sunday dinners <laughs> and not gone so well on the Saturday. <laughs> but, uh, keep your head yeah, down. It's, it's quite a hard scenario because you're always going to have that, aren't you? It's just natural mm -hmm. if you're playing for your old man, you, you're always going to have to be right at it. And if you're not quite at it, people are like, well, he's playing because of his, his dad or whatever. And I probably had that a little bit with those three or four old people on the far side at the Alfreton ground who uh, <laughs> certainly let me know about that as well. But in general, Again, a fantastic place and um, some really good memories there as well. And how did your position then change over the years? Because you've kind of played, haven't you, a few different slots yeah. over the years. Yeah, yeah, everywhere but in goal, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, I've always um, flitted probably between right back and midfield mainly. Um, so I was, quite, I was quite comfy on the ball, but probably when I was younger, probably didn't quite have the physical, uh, the physical side of it to especially at National North, National League, to probably deal with how direct it was and, you know, not quite filled into my body yet, but that kind of played midfield early on at Chesterfield and Alfreton. Um, and as it progressed, um, ended up at fullback quite a bit, probably two two scenes at Alfreton, which probably was a time where I started to get a bit of interest and stuff like that. And um, then, obviously, like fast forwarding too much up to Motherwell, starting midfield there and end up at fullback towards the end of that. So it's always been generally centre mid fullback, fullback area, really. So a bit of a jack of all trades, master of none, they say, don't they? But um, yeah, I had, a, I had decent versatility, had quite a good idea of where I was around the pitch and stuff like that, which has hopefully helped me with the coaching. Like you say, it's, I suppose it can be a blessing and a curse, can't it? And that you can be, especially when you're at kind of a, uh, conference North level or something like that to be have a uh, that utility function to yourself is great, but yeah. at the same time, nailing down that position that's yours uh, it becomes that like a bit harder, doesn't it? When you end up filling in everywhere, 
Yeah, definitely. Because, like I say, it can be great because, like I say, you can flit in and out of different positions and be available if a manager trusts you to to do different roles. But as you, as you say there, it can, it can, like I say, at times be that you, you get put here, there and everywhere. You don't quite get a run where you need to be, uh, which happened in spells of my career. But um, like I say, I, I do think it is a good asset to have because, like I say, on the whole, you do end up getting plenty of game time and a manager's trust when he knows you can can play a few positions. Mm. So highlights for Alfton then. Obviously you got promoted, didn't you? Uh, there. So uh, you were there, like say, a long time over, well over 250 games. Mm. What the yeah. kind of highlights then back from that time? Yeah, that is it? yeah, I didn't realise it was that amount of games. Yeah, it's a lot mm. of games. And um, yeah, like I say, promotion, definitely. I think that was my second or third season. Um, some of my old man went in there. He kind of changed the profile of it. Went really young and got likes myself and others who had probably been released. Early young pros, couple, couple of really good players from like Sheffield United, like Calvin Fazins, who's still going now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian Ross, who was a amazingly talented player, who kind of stopped early. But yeah, he kind of built it off that, off that young base with a couple of experienced lads around it. And like I said, I think one of the seasons we got to a playoff final and just lost. And the next season after that, we won it. It was it was a really, really strong side. And mm. games were over in like it was one of them where you, you knew you was gonna you knew you was gonna win. Kind of you just stepping out there full of confidence. We we could run, we could play, we could fight people. We were we were really, really top side. And we kind of had pre-season and we played a lot of league teams and and beat them, which again doesn't count much for preseason, but you kind of get an idea of what you're about. Yeah, completely. Um, and we kind of knew going into it would be off, would be off decent, like. And in the end, I think got close to close to 100 points. We were 90 odd points and scored a lot of goals. And well, like I say, we had a really good side. I'd like Aidan Flints, who's still playing now. Mm-hmm. Who, um, my old man got him from like Pinkston, which was the next village. Just seen him playing there, brought him in, and he had, like I say, he had a good eye for. Good eye for young kids who he thought had good potential and kind of all came to the fore that season. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously you then start to get a bit of attention from elsewhere and you end up at Motherwell. Which obviously, funnily enough, was the year after your brother went to Rangers, didn't he? Uh, from, yeah, from Motherwell. And yeah. Then, so you went to Motherwell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, kind of because I knew he'd been there. I knew what a good club it was, and I've been to watch him and stuff like that. And um, my brother knew Stuart McCall, who was a manager quite well as well. So we'd um, obviously we were in the National League at the time of Alfton, had a decent season again, scored a few goals, playing probably midfield more that year, but a fullback as well, but got a few goals. And there started to be, like I say, bits of interest. And in the past, I kind of turned the odd bits down where it weren't quite right. And mm-hmm. I was happy where I was and with my development and stuff like that. And it, it kind of come to a point then where that opportunity come up, where I thought, yeah, this is this is probably the right time now because 24, 23-24. And like you say there, I'd had 200-odd games under my belt and seen quite a lot. So... Um, when obviously when the opportunity came up with Stuart to go there, I thought, yeah, this is this is probably the time now. Um, like I said, my brother had just moved to Rangers with it, so really close to my brother as well. So that was another 
another point of probably getting up there as well because mm. I'd say we're pretty good mates as well. What's it like then moving to the Scottish Premiership then? What's the difference in in level like and and just kind of interest and stands and grounds and everything else? Yeah, it is. It's it's obviously a jump up from the level I was at. Um it's quite um obviously it's quite unique because obviously it's, it's huge up there. It's their premiership, right? So mm-hmm. um like I say down here probably not quite as big. Obviously, you'd know Celtic and Rangers and teams, Aberdeen, teams like that. But I think until you're up there, you don't realise the magnitude and the the rivalries they are all over that league. Um like I say, I think it's certainly a mixing standard. Obviously, you've got Celtic, um, Rangers at the time had obviously had the financial trouble, so they fell down the leagues, but mm-hmm. um obviously you've got Celtic who I'd say probably if they were to be down here, there'd be a premiership club because obviously it's absolutely huge. Um, then you have like probably two or three, you're probably like lower champ level. Then you've probably got like a, the rest, League One, League Two mix. I'd say it's uh, it's quite it's quite unique, but it is. They all try and play up there. All the stadiums are decent and the, the pitches are nice, and they get real good funding from um, television up there as well. So again, it's. Um, it's really attractive for for players to go up there because I think if you do do well there, especially like more your attacking striker players who score a few goals, you normally probably get in like a championship move back down here, yeah. uh, or like get good abroad moves off it. But no, it's really loved my time there, and it, it was a step up in standard and one I enjoyed and ended up um, feeling comfortable with, and I just ended up uh, playing quite a lot of games up there. And when you're in that league structure where there's some massive, massive teams and then some that are a bit smaller. Mm. It must be weird week by week because you must be playing a really high, high standard of player one week and then the next week less so and then the next week back up again. I mean, it almost feels a bit more like a a cup competition than it does than it does a league structure sometimes. Yeah, like I say, it could be Celtic away one week and next week Ross County away, it's... But like I said, every team had good players, so it was mm-hmm. you're always obviously in a game. And being at Motherwell, we were probably middle of the road most of the time. Quite similar to obviously you had Celtic way above anyone, and probably Aberdeen at that time were really strong as well. Um, but like I say, then you come from there, and everyone was quite competitive and quite similar. Um, but yeah, like I say, it is it is quite strange when you can be playing a Celtic or a Rangers and. Then you are at Ross County away with a few thousand and middle of nowhere with quite a smaller stadium. Mm. But like I say, each team had really good players and it was you, you had a test wherever you was every week. It was always you always knew you was in a game. Yeah. And did you get to lock horns with your with your brother? Yeah, it did. Um <laughs> again, quite a funny story too. We we finished like second bottom my first season. It was a Motherwell had a really good couple of seasons and we got into Europe and Obviously started well and uh, managed to score a couple on my debut actually in Europe. It was probably the worst thing I could have done because I probably thought they were signing a goal scorer. Um, but as the season went, it was a real transition one. Stuart ended up resigning around October, November um, and we had another manager come in. So it ended up being quite a tough season and we ended up in like the playoff spot up there. 11th place goes into a playoff with the winner of the playoff in the league below, which is Rangers, in like a two-legged affair. So... Um, yeah, I ended up playing him in a two-leg with Rangers. Um, and I was getting married probably two days after the second leg. And um, he was my best man. And we were over to America in New York. And so, obviously, up there, is, they've got wind of it. And Bill, obviously, you've got your brother 
playing your brother, then two days later you're getting married and he's your best man. So a bit of bragging rights for who won. But um, again, quite a surreal experience because um, you grow up, like I was saying there, back to Saltergate days of knocking the ball about and probably dreaming of days like that. Then you end up, and funny enough, I was right back. He was left-hand side in the first leg at Rangers where you're walking out in front of 50, 55,000 people, whatever it was. And it was quite surreal, probably first 10 minutes playing against each other. Then, like I said before, it kind of turns into that normal game feel. Um, fortunately, we come out winners over the two legs, but it were, I didn't necessarily enjoy it because obviously it's your brother and mm. you both want to be doing well. And I don't think the family probably enjoyed it too much because it was a bit of a lose-lose for them, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want staying down. So, um, yeah, obviously I ended up playing him there, which was really surreal. And when I went to Oldham, he was at Bradford again. And I was right back. He was left side in the game. And uh, he was a good do player, you, my brother. So. Do you say each other, say anything to each other on the pitch? I remember in the Oldham-Bradford game, um, we drew 1-1 and, God, they battered us. And it was like lamps at slaughter. We were just hanging in there. They had a good side. And they lost the League One playoff final that year. Um, and obviously, he was playing left. And I think towards the end of the game anyway, and... Uh, I think you just turn around and say, how oh, the hell are you lot still in this? It was a bit like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, that was, then like I say, after the game, you're back to normal. I remember after the, the Rangers game, funny enough, um, I was living with him at the time because my missus and my, my young son had uh, come back down because obviously summer was close. So they went back down for a bit and see after four hours, go in with him for a few weeks, bit of company. And after you just sat there after, obviously you've played each other and having a bit of dinner having a drink and it's just like normal again. So yeah, yeah it, is, it was a very, very surreal experience. Mm. Hello, welcome to Latics Player. Um, I'm Lee Croft and I'm here interviewing Josh Law today. Thanks for your time, Josh. Um, good result against Walsall the other night. Yeah, it was. Um, the first half weren't great. Come on, this is it, come on. <laughs> it's when I look at your face. Just don't look at me, you just look at the camera. So the chance to then come back down to to England then, you had like a couple of seasons, didn't you, at Motherwell? Um and you played like throughout your career, from your kind of Alfreton time and then Motherwell, you're playing a lot of games each mm. season. So you never really had any uh any kind of big prolonged injury spells or anything else like that did you throughout that time no I was very very fortunate I think when I got to 30 31 I couldn't run anymore <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd seized up yeah. um but no yeah like I said I was very fortunate with injuries really fortunate only the odd like I say probably most I ever missed was I think I tore my fire out for once where we went to extra time in a game yeah. we've made no uh all the subs and kind of chuck me up front I just try and stand up there and be a body um, so yeah that's probably I had about eight weeks out with that and I think that's the longest spell I had mm. um, and when just my last game for Motherwell actually I've done something to my heel as well um, where the grass meets the Asher turf at the end where the line is kind of like put a crossing and put all my pressure on my foot and done I can't remember the term for it but I had a, underneath my heel really was probably agony for two months into the season even when I was at Oldham uh, kind of just grimaced and played through it a little bit. But no, there's certainly been a, people a lot less fortunate than I have on the injury side of it. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I was, was quite fortunate with that. Yeah. 
So so Oldham then. So this is sixteen seventeen season. Yeah. Uh, you're at Oldham. Was it nice then to come back down to down to England? Yeah, yeah, it was. Like I say, I was fair, I was happy up there. I'd, I'd signed a new deal not long before I mm. come back with Motherwell and um obviously I was, I was quite conscious of uh, we lived in a really nice place, but it's quite remote and um obviously I had a, a, my lad was only eight probably eighteen months at the time, something like that. And my wife obviously didn't have any friends as such up there. Got on really well with obviously people from the club and obviously wives of other players. But um, I kind of got to a point where I thought it's probably if an opportunity comes up back home to get her home and obviously they make a big sacrifice for you just moving about the countries for you. Uh, I thought if I can get home, I will. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of made that decision and went to mother and said, look, if I, if I can get home, I'd, I'd like to. I miss it a little bit homesick and... Obviously, you start thinking, obviously, a kid then it was quite early down the line, but getting him settled and, and being somewhere because obviously quite a big, quite a big family man in general. So I missed home as well. I missed my family. Um, so it was funny enough, I, I was speaking with Chesterfield quite a lot um, during the off-season. Danny Wilson at the time. Yeah. Uh, played with Laurie, his lad at Alfreton. Mm. Um, he was a good player. And we spoke to spoke to him for quite a lot. And at one point, it looked like it was going to happen. That I was going to come back. And uh, for whatever reason, it, it didn't quite work out. I think they signed Paul McGinn the same summer, which, again, he was in a similar position to me at fullback. Um, then Oldham popped up. Um, so funny enough, I went down there. They didn't have a manager at the time. It was, it was a bit kind of a science to come there. It was a bit, it was a bit in chaos, to be honest. And... Uh, so I went down there anyway and I had a couple of sessions with them and Sean O'Driscoll was taking it just till they found a manager. So I obviously spoke to them and quite positive. So I thought I'll go down and obviously have a look. Motherwell were good with me. Let me go mm. let me go down and see what it was about. And funny enough, our assistant manager at Motherwell, Steve Robinson, ended up getting the job. So as I'm as I'm signing, he's he's coming down to be the manager. So it's funny how football works. Mm. Uh, he kind of rang me on the way down saying, do you want to do it? Uh, so I was like, yeah, definitely, especially if, if you're coming down, because I got on really well with Robbo, top coach. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how that's how Oldham come about. Mm. And I was looking, like, you've played, obviously, um, after Oldham, you were at York uh, mm. for a little bit. So you'll have done, like, Bootham Crescent, Boundary mm. Park, Saltergate, you know. Um, I don't know what Motherwell's ground is, uh, but lots of, like, classic grounds. So... Yeah. Which which ones were kind of which were your favourite places to play? Favourite out of them grounds. Mm. Um, I liked Motherwell. Obviously, I played a lot of Motherwell. Really liked that ground and good memories of it. And like I say, Saltergate. Didn't obviously played on it with the youth team. Obviously, didn't wasn't fortunate enough to maybe play uh, for the first team as much on it. But it's a it's a ground that holds amazing memories for me. Obviously, in terms of when my dad played, dad managed and youth team days where you have long days there with your mates and it's got a like I say a bit of a special place to me Saltergate and it's uh, always quite strange even when you see it now isn't it with the, mm, yeah, the houses yeah. on it um, but I'd say like I say Saltergate is probably one of my favourite grounds to be honest but they're all like I say Boundary Park's a nice ground we've got a nice new stand on the on the other side of it um, Bootham again another another old ground um, it was probably 
a bit more it sounds daft neglected than Saltergate because Saltergate weren't in the best condition <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah, but if you go see Saltergate your pitch was always nice like I say all year through they did a top job of it didn't they yeah very rarely had a bad pitch at Saltergate um, so I'd say that that certainly pips pips the other grounds for me just in terms of memories there and like I said I had a lot of childhood there as well mm. So, so at what point then do you start thinking about winding down a little bit? Mm. Um, like you said, your legs start to go, and I, I suppose, I suppose you you start to have those other commitments in life, don't you? Like family and and things mm. like that. You don't want to be moving to the other ends of the country and stuff like that. Like from how it, when you start and you only responsibility you have for your, is for yourself and your own ambitions. I suppose things kind of start to change a little bit, don't they? As you get a little bit older, when did that start to change for you? Yeah, you nailed it exactly like you say there. It starts becoming bigger than yourself, um, and I think probably a, a big decision, obviously, when I went to York was to do that because I was in League One at the time of Oldham and um, could have probably well, I could have stayed in the league at a couple of different places and took a. Sounds daft. I've never been one chasing money, but obviously you have a kid. I had two kids then mm. um, and a mortgage to pay. Stuff starts to come into it because, like I say, the differences at the lower levels aren't massive in terms of pay. And it kind of, obviously, York gave me a two-year security. And again, a, a really good club at the wrong time. Um, again, they really looked after you. They give you a flat to, to stay as much as you wanted and stuff like that. And they just had a double relegation. So when you get there, you think, well, that's a chance to be part of something and bring them back up. And obviously they offer me good security with a, a good contract and stuff like that. So when I went there, obviously that full intention of obviously doing my best for the club and, and bringing them back where they should have been. And it was a bit it was a bit chaotic. And I think we had five managers in the two years I was there. And uh, again, it, it become, become um, a bit of a, Wrong word, bit of a chore for me to be honest, because mm. I was traveling up there every day and two hours there, two hours back in the end, and I'd kind of done that at Oldham as well. So it does start to, it does start to get you a little bit, and you think, right, well, it, what is what is starting to come next? And I'd always, obviously, see my dad on the management coaching side of stuff, and thought that's probably what I'm going to do, just because of it's all I know. Um, mm. And I started getting into the youth coach and end up um, Neil Cluxton was brilliant and took me into Chesterfield with the like the under twelves, I think it was at that time. Um just to just to start getting a, a feel of it and really enjoyed it. Um and when I come to the end of my two years at York, um one of my friends played for a team, Baseford, Baseford United in Nottingham. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liam Hearn, who I was at Alfton with and obviously kept in touch with and kept a good relationship with. And he kind of said, what, what are you thinking about? Are you coming out of the full-time game? And I thought, well, if the right opportunity is there, I will come out of it and and look to pursue a bit of coaching as well. And funny enough, he he was heading stuff up back there and he said, well, if you come here and play and and do full-time coaching with like their education B-Tech side, which kind of what Chesterfield do now, obviously, mm-hmm. since the relegations and the, the loss of funding. So I thought, well, it's probably the right time. I was on my B licence and... I'd, I'd enjoyed experience. I'd gone and helped Liam a few times at Baseford as well and really enjoyed it and got a good feel for the place. So it, it was kind of probably that second season at York where I started to think I'm probably ready now for, I say that, start that transition. Mm. And, um, and and again, I've not I've not really regretted it. It's, it's been a, a good early journey for me in the coaching and kind of got on the front foot with it. 
Yeah, and I'm interested. But you you mentioned about York and had the double relegation and everything because Chesterfield obviously been through the same thing. Mm. Double relegation, hundred different managers. Mm. It all gets a bit toxic between the fans and the owners and uh, everything else. Like as as fresh players coming in because you end up then going through managers, so then you end up going through a lot of players and and stuff like that. Is it hard because you end up having the the kind of the the things that have gone before in the previous few seasons kind of lumped onto you as well, don't you? And like trying to turn around a ship that's mm. that's failing, I suppose it must be hard as a player that you get kind of you get whipped up into that, don't you? I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, it is, and fans are angry and uh, angry, sorry, and and rightly so. You know what I mean? I would be as a fan. I'm a bit of a, well, I was a glory fan at Man United, but um, you are you. you as a fan, you want more and you deserve more and clubs like Chesterfield and York do. Um, like I say the traditional football league clubs and when, like I say, the connection isn't there with the fans and the ownership and and the players on the pitch, it, it starts to spread. And mm. I think obviously when I first went there, Gary Mills was still the manager. It just obviously come down. So there's a bit of a, probably a bit of unrest from supporters, even though Gary had had good success at York in the past. They probably thought it should have been changed maybe. So I think we were probably only, I think we was third when he got the sack, which was in October, which again, everyone expects us to go and walk the league, like probably Chesterfield when they first come down. Yeah, and yeah. You have to realise um, the level's tough wherever you go in these national leagues. There's, there's good players, good good teams within them, and you're their big, you're their big day out. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they look for you on the fixture list and everyone raises the game for you. And, when it's like I say, when it doesn't quite go right, and you are starting to lose games against probably what fans think you shouldn't be losing against because of the name, and and that's it because they probably don't realise what players play for them and how good our outfits they actually are. It, it spirals, doesn't it? And um, yeah. especially at York, like I say, then you get a change of manager. Then I think he lasted probably six, seven months, um, and we had two within about four months. So it was like, and at one point we've got like. 30, 34 players, I think, something stupid like that in, in National League North with York. And it's just like, God, it's people on side watching 11 v 11. Mm. And you just won't believe it for the level and the size of the club. Um, but like I say, I think it's certainly hard when it does start to get a little bit toxic and 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 the fans are out for the ownership, which, again, they have every right to be. And it does spread to the players because they're the ones turning it in. And, and at the end of the day, they've got to do the business on the pitch, which... We didn't as a as a team. So at the end of the day, uh, you're you're a culprit for it. Yeah, I don't I don't envy any player having to go through that. <laughs> um, so like you mentioned, so now you're coaching. Um, you with Harrogate. Yes, um, yeah, Harrogate Town. Yeah. So, so what's it like then stepping into this kind of new, mm. new kind of era for yourself? I suppose. Yeah, like I say, it's been brilliant. Really enjoyed it. Loved my time at Baseford to begin with first. Learned a lot there. Um, obviously, with Liam bringing me in, then I had, uh, Steve Chettle, who the old Forest captain, mm-hmm. who, again, was brilliant for me as a bit of a mentor in the first two years of coaching. And like I say, taught me a lot and showed me a lot. Um, and obviously, I was, I'd always been aware of it with my old man of what it entails and what it takes. And I've always fancied a go at it. So... Again, when I went, I've been at Harrogate now for a year and a half. Uh, they've only been going two years in an academy. So I went in the January last year. And I say it's been 
fairly successful so far. I think we've had five or six six pros now that have gone through in that time, which is great. Um, and again, the manager and, and above really believe in the youth there. So that always helps you. It's certainly my role in trying to get these boys through. And like we alluded to earlier with myself back in the journey, if you see someone up there and having a chance in the first team, it, it inspires you. And we're fortunate enough at Harrogate to, to like I say, get some some early success with that and some debuts and stuff like that. And um, they've managed to, the boys have done brilliant this season, managed to win like the league we're placed in, which is obviously the league I used to play in hmm. as, a, as a kid for Chesterfield. Um, so we've had relatively good success early on, but obviously we look to build on it now. And obviously I look to keep developing as a coach in my journey as well. Hmm. But um, like I say, your youth system, like I say, is as good as the belief you have from above it. So if they've got belief and they're giving these pros out, it obviously reflects amazingly on the academy. Yeah, and it's a, it's a challenging time, isn't it, in terms of uh, academies and stuff? Because it's not really, it's not necessarily set up, is it, for like smaller regional clubs to be successful, is it, in terms of bringing new players through? Because they can just kind of be scooped up by yeah. bigger clubs, can't they? Um, so it, it does take, like you say, a lot of... Uh, belief and trust and investment in a club like Harrogate to actually put some weight behind that because of how it's set up. Absolutely, yeah. And especially for us up at Harrogate, because we're only Category 4 because of... um, So, like, 18s is EFL, EPPP. Uh, underneath it is still essentially a grassroots setup. It's a emerging talent centre we have. Uh, we're fortunate to get a couple of good lads. We have good local talent within that, but as you say there, if someone was to come along and, and fancy one of them and think they'd help them, they're free to go. There'd be absolutely no cash at all for us, which is quite quite unique. Um, and like I say, so we look to obviously recruit, try and get as many through that as we can and try and recruit off these these clubs that obviously hopefully fall in a gem that gets released from a Sheffield United, a Derby. And mm. like I say, you're in a pool with many other clubs for that. Everyone around it, your Don is, Ash down at Lincoln. We'll all be like, say, fishing the same pool, trying to find trying to find this gem and bring them through. So, um, again, it's all, like I say, all hard work, recruitment and and doing the hours and, and trying to build this database of players, what you can get. But, yeah, you obviously you're fighting against all elements with the power of the money in the, in the higher categories and in the higher leagues in general, isn't it, in football? And I remember when I was talking to Ash about Lincoln, he was saying that, you know, part of his role is to, make the young players as good as they can possibly be. So whether that's a Premier League footballer or a really good semi-pro level or, or something like that, it's about trying to get every last bit of potential out of someone and getting them to a level that they can get to. So I suppose for yourself, it's like you're a bit of a, a father figure in, in some way as much as a coach to some of these young lads. Absolutely, yeah. You, you bang on with it. Like I say, they're all not going to play in the Prem. <laughs> they all might not play in the league it's it's that hard to get into but um, like you're saying there with the father figure stuff I think you, you learn a lot from over the years from different coaches you've had different managers and I think like I say Dave, Dave Bentley going back 16 years whatever it was mm. he was very much like that he'd it certainly let you know when he when he weren't happy, but he could make you feel a million dollars as well and it's all about the relationship you build with the lads and mm the respect that goes both ways before you get anything from them. So like I said, a, a lot of 
obviously my style with it is to build these relationships with these kids and as you say there like I said is get every bit you can out of them whether that be they're gonna go and play successfully at a regional level or I say conference or league really they're all different it's very very individual based so I think like I say it rightly so at youth level you're and I think senior level, it's a good medicine for it as well. If you're making individuals better and they feel a genuine, um, a genuine affection and respect both ways, you're gonna go, you go, you're gonna go all out for them. You're gonna do what it takes to, to, to get it done. So, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's brilliant. It's challenging, but it's brilliant. And like I say it's, uh, it's certainly something I'm enjoying. Yeah, and so finally, so then I suppose for yourself, it's a case of, um sky's the limit see how see what you end up developing into and and doing next things can go in all kinds of different directions can't they yeah absolutely it's life in it it's mm. um like i say i've just you just got to try to work as hard as you can every day and like i say so far i've been fortunate that i've had i've had decent like i say success in it and a good and a good pathway already um and like I say, obviously you have your targets as high as you can. You want you want to be as high as you can, and you want to be the best you can be with it. Um, and you just hope that it takes you there. But like you say, football and life can change very quickly. So just like to work on a bit of a day by day basis and yeah, and just try and look at it that way. Because I think if you can get too far ahead, which you can do as a player sometimes when you're worrying about contracts here, contracts there, it can uh, can start to unravel quick. So yeah, very much uh Obviously, have your have your targets, but just focus on the day to day work. Mm. And like say, like Tommy Lee, one minute he's playing for us, and the next minute he's coaching at Man United. It's kind of uh, bonkers, isn't it? How things yeah. can go. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. It's uh, like I say, it's a sort of a crazy industry which can can take you anywhere. Um, well, yeah, like I say, he's done brilliant, hasn't he? Down at Man United now doing that, and like I say, I think that's the ambition of every every player when you're young to go and play as high as you can then I think obviously when you go on to the other side of it again it's all about all about having that ambition and drive to to get as far as you can with it yeah and like I say a career in the sport you love I suppose is uh, it's just the ice, icing on the cake I suppose isn't it yeah definitely like I say you just you're obviously very fortunate if you can like I say be working day in and day out doing something you love um in football which like i say so many of us uh love and enjoy so yeah really really fortunate for it great lovely well thanks for thanks for coming on and having a chat i suppose i suppose you don't get to uh pop on to chestfield much anymore do you you'll be busy with all the other stuff but have you have you been yeah. back been back much not like you say i've not been able to get back loads just because of obviously with my football mm. as well, it very much clashes a lot. But I managed to get to a couple of games last year because my my boy is very much into his football now. He's he, he starts taking interest in it. So I remember taking him to a Stockport game last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Stockport won one nil if I remember rightly towards the end of the season. Um, and obviously, when I've played, been back with Oldham and stuff like that, and obviously lovely with the new stadium and stuff. Um, but yeah, hopefully in the in the in the near future, you can start to get some more games because, uh, like I said, my son's uh, very eager for it and keeps reminding me how many games he wants to go to. So That's a, it'd be interesting if you had ended up having a third generation of law playing for us. I suppose you never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know, dear. You? you never know. <laughs> Crazy things have happened. <laughs>